Imagine one day your child wakes up and they can no longer hear your voice, the laughter from their family, or even their favorite cartoon. This is the Live, Learn, and Play podcast, where we talk about the people, places, and programs at Arkansas Children's. Our mission is to champion children by making them better today and healthier tomorrow. Today, you'll hear about one family's emotional story where that imagining turned into reality. We sat down with Katie Clifton, Mercy's mom, and talked about Mercy and her family's journey from her complete hearing loss to hope. All right, this morning we are joined by Katie Clifton, and she's going to share her story about her daughter, Mercy. Mercy is a patient uh, at our audiology clinic, and they have a really unique and special story. And we're actually, Katie, we're actually working on a video. Our content team is working on a video, so you'll be able to hear more about Mercy's story. But today, we would just like to hear, for the audience, of course, who hasn't uh, seen it, uh, we'd like to hear your story. So first off, first off, let's just talk a little bit about yourself, uh, your family, and then we'll talk about your journey with Arkansas Children's. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thanks for having us this morning. Um so, yes, my name is Katie Clifton, and my husband and I live in Bitten, Arkansas, and just about 25 minutes from Arkansas Children's Hospital. We have four kids. We have a son who is 16, a daughter who is about to be 15. We have a seven-year-old daughter, and then Mercy is our youngest, and she's five. Our younger two kiddos came to us through adoption, um, through infant adoption in Arkansas, and so we've been fortunate to be their parents their whole lives. Excellent. So you are a busy mom, busy yeah. parent, um, family of uh, four, with four kiddos, mm-hmm. and we're out for the summer. So um, if you could just tell us a little bit about Mercy uh, specifically and what initially brought you to Arkansas Children's. Okay. Um, so since we adopted Mercy, um, she was just a few hours old when we got the phone call that she had been born, and so we traveled to um, her birth city in Arkansas, and all of her newborn screenings were great. By the time she was six months old, I think the ear infections started, and so she received her first set of tubes when she was one. About the time that she was two, she received her second set of tubes. Within that time frame, we're in and out of an, an ENT clinic um, in our town, Lots of audiology testing. She would fail the test. They would say there was fluid in her ears. Eventually, she had failed the test so many times that we were sent to Children's. All of Mercy's ear infections, like she typically didn't have any symptoms, um, except we would notice she's not really listening. And usually that would cue us to say, hey, Merce, does your ear hurt? Do you have an ear that hurts? And she would let us know, yes, she had an ear infection. So... Fast forward to last fall, she um, was about to turn five. This was at her birthday's in September. This all happened at the end of August. And I um, had her at another appointment with my son that morning. And as I was talking to her, she just was not listening. And so I asked, hey, does your ear hurt? And she said no. So that seemed strange because I had questioned, you know, she's not able to hear completely. And throughout the day, it just progressively got worse. Um, I sort of dismissed it because I just assumed it's not hurting her, but she probably has an ear infection. I'll take her to the doctor. Um, 
my husband had her the last half of the day and as he interacted with her he realized we're not really having dialogue like she's saying hey dad I'm hungry and he's just following her commands as I want a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and so he was just following orders and then had told her to pick up some toys and realized there was no response from her he ended up saying her name yelling her name, clapping his hands while standing behind her, and she was not able to hear him at all. Was this the first time that that had happened Ever. to this yes, point? Yes, Okay. Um, in the past, you know, we had always been like, oh, she cannot hear us. But this time it was totally different. And I was at an activity with our 7-year-old, and he called me and said, I'm taking her to an after-hours clinic, like something's going on. And I dismissed it and I said yeah I think she probably has an ear infection I noticed that and he was like no she Katie she can't hear and so um by the time I met him at that clinic I walked in the room and he said they're already on the phone with children's so tell us what from your as a parent what was that like when your child cannot hear you heartbreaking I mean you know I and probably a doctor's worst nightmare because I'm Googling everything like what what tests should be ran and what could be wrong. And, I'm, you know, does she have a brain tumor? What's going on? And trying really hard to not let fear just override all of my emotions. But we sat in the waiting room and she's twirling and singing and being super loud. And we were like trying to over-the-top mouth things to her, like, you're really loud, be quiet. And I told my husband, I said, I, I bet all these other parents are thinking, take that kid home, she's fine. Because physically, she was totally fine. Um, but, you know, it became later and later, it was midnight, babies were screaming, and she has no clue that they're screaming. And so we... We had just this range of emotions of this can't be happening. There's, there's, it's an infection, or you know, they're going to give her antibiotics, and this is going to fix this. Um, unfortunately, and it wasn't anyone's fault, but in the ER, they were just like, "We'll have to do a follow up with audiology." And so we left that night, going, "We have no answers." I mean, she does not have an ear infection that's been rolled out four times today. Um, so we didn't have any answers. So we went home that night, and I pretty much prayed and cried and didn't sleep and um but we were able to be seen early the next morning and so still I think we were just super hopeful that there is like some simple explanation or all of a sudden she'd be like oh there was a pop and now I can hear again um but we came in and um, the audiology team was amazing and so compassionate and so thorough and tried to explain like you know they're going to do all these tests but she doesn't know the rules of the game and she's deaf now I mean that's how it seemed and so my husband and I you know we could tell from the audiology testing like she's not making a physical response to the noise that we can hear across the room coming through her headphones and so that was scary um from audiology we moved over to ENT and we I met Dr. Johnson, and he was fabulous, and he said, you know, I want to just explain this to you a little bit, um, but after looking, after reviewing with the team, 
and looking at her audiology results, he said, I'm not even going to look in her ears because I can't do anything for her. Um, she has sudden sensorineural hearing loss in both ears, and we need to kind of try to find a reason why. But uh, right now, your only real option is to get set up with ASL or to meet with Dr. Dornhofer, and he's a cochlear surgeon. And so we were like, well, she's deaf? Like, like this isn't going to come back? Yeah, and at, at this point, how are you able to communicate any of this with Mercy? Uh, we used very over-the-top um, mannerisms and expressions in trying to convey to her. what We, we, we kept things simple, um, but we realized, too, that she was really focusing on our mouths. And so for a year and a half prior to her loss of hearing, um, she had already been in speech therapy. So it was actually like lip-reading training. She would sit across from her therapist and look in a mirror look at her therapist's mouth and the way that she moved her mouth and then watched her own mouth. And so I think during that time prior to the hearing loss, um, she was developing a skill that we were totally unaware of, um, but we were and continue to be incredibly impressed with her ability to read lips. Um, unfortunately, I don't think that that's like a, a solid skill that we should like expect of her um from what I've learned that can be incredibly stressful um but at the time it was really our only form of communication she would say a lot of I can't hear you I don't know what you're saying um she would get frustrated but thankfully at the time we were able to relapse and We tried to learn some basic ASL signs. Um, We would kind of play a game. I would hand her something, and then I would mouth, thank you, like very slowly and over the top, and sign thank you. And then I would hand it to her, and we would just do this back and forth. And so we developed about a 15 to 20-word vocabulary within just a few days. Which I'm sure helped your family and helped Mercy through this experience. Yeah. Um, going back to the team, if you could talk a little bit about Holly, uh, Press, and Dr. Dornhofer. Just talk about your experience with our audiology team. I feel like the day that we showed up, um, I don't know what was going on behind the scenes with them that we were not aware of, but it seemed like they were all hands on deck. Like there's this precious little girl that just suddenly lost her hearing, and so we are all just totally committed. It, definitely felt like Holly was leading the way. Um, She was so patient and thorough and explained things as best she could. I mean, none of us had answers. And so it was like, we are going to do our best to find out the why behind this. But in the meantime, we're going to move forward and do what we do best. And so there was so much reassurance in that in and hearing them say we are making your daughter a priority today was the most comforting thing to hear um holly was so quick to say here's my email and i you know will read it on the weekends at night um accessible she called two days later to check on us um we were able to we weren't able to see dr dornhofer that day um but we saw him two weeks later And so he was, I had already researched him, um, 
But seeing a doctor that's going to perform a cochlear surgery on our daughter, who we just found out was deaf, and he is deaf, and he has a cochlear, was huge for us. Um, He was able to explain things like, let me tell you what things are going to sound like for her. Um, because not all of his patients have had hearing. And so his experience was more similar to her experience, which gave us a lot of peace and comfort in the fact that this fantastic doctor is available to us in this scary time was a a blessing in itself. And um, Holly just continues to be a cheerleader for Mercy and – a friend to us. She definitely, I feel like I should call her Dr. Press and instead I refer to her as Holly and I sort of feel bad that I'm not giving her this like respect that I absolutely feel that she deserves, but she's very much just feels like a friend at this point. So the feelings that you left when, that you had when you left the ER compared to when you met the audiology team, completely different (laughs) reassurance you thought that, and then, and then they felt like family. So that's, um, (laughs) an awesome transformation. What, uh, so did you leave that day with a treatment plan or knowing that surgery was going to be in Mercy's future? Yes. We left that morning knowing our daughter is deaf. Um, if we want her to try to hear again, then a cochlear is our only option. Um, and that she was going to be in the best hands of Literally, not even just like in Arkansas, but Dr. Johnson, when he came in, he was like, listen, this is, this is the doctor that literally writes the books on this stuff. And he's training other doctors all around the world. And so it was such an emotional, just like up and down. I mean, we left like just sad, teary messes from the ER the night before and then You know, being told her diagnosis was sad, but then there was also so much hope, and we were so thankful that we're going to walk out of this hospital with a healthy kid, even if she can't hear, she's healthy, and a lot of parents don't have that. Um, And she's going to have a possibility to hear again through technology, and that is such a gift, and so... Um, we felt like it's okay to be sad. Like our sadness is valid, but, but it could be worse. And we were just so thankful for the the medical team. So let's talk about the surgery day and what Mercy had done. Um, her first surgery was on her right side. Um, that surgery was on September the 12th, 2018. And, um, basically we we picked out the technology the day before, and so we knew that Dr. Dornhofer and his team would go in and put the implant into her cochlea. Um, they have to drill into the skull um, to put the magnet, which the way the technology works is the magnet is anchored into the skull, And then there's this little thin wire that goes into the cochlea that acts as nerves that send the signal of sound to her brain. And then there's the external piece with the processor. And so the actual surgery was for the internal pieces. 
And then two weeks after, we came back, and she received her first external processor. And so what expectations did you have for, for post-surgery? What were you expecting Mercy to hear or understand? Oh, I think kind of unfortunately, I watched YouTube videos of, well, and I've seen them on Facebook where, you know, the, the mom or the baby, somebody's hearing a voice of their loved one for the first time and it's so emotional and um, Mercy's case is so not typical that um, at the time of her surgery, she was still having fluctuation with her hearing. So it wasn't that she was hearing nothing all the time, but it's that sometimes things were more like a whisper, and then other times they were a little louder, but she went from having moderate to profound hearing loss, and it fluctuated more than we were aware. And so at her first activation with that right cochlear, you know, they had prepped us for she's probably not going to be able to understand you. Um, she may actually hate this. It's going to distort sound, and her brain will catch on. Her brain will adapt. Um, there will be a new normal, but it may there may be some emotion and some struggle um, at the initial activation. And so Holly, they they mapped it, and they did all the programming, and then it was like the moment of truth, and... Holly was playing with Mercy and said, Mercy, hand me the pink cookie. And she covered her mouth because we know that Mercy can read lips. And Mercy went and reached for the pink cookie. And then Holly was like, no, no, not the pink one. I want the chocolate one. And Mercy said, the chocolate one. And that, I mean, we all laughed because we were not expecting her to be able to hear or understand. And um, what actually had happened was her hearing had suddenly improved in her left ear. And so we actually had to plug the left ear to create a consistent deficit at that time. And it was about four weeks after that first surgery that Mercy had, she woke up one morning and let me know that her hearing was gone out of her left ear totally and she couldn't hear anything. And so from that point on, um, we were actually able to see a lot more progress with the cochlear. Um, once she was actually fully deaf in both ears, um, she, you know, struggled at first, like, oh, that's what a, that's what the potty sounds like when you flush it, or, oh, mom, I hear that bird. Um, she would laugh at different sounds. She would make different sounds. So it was neat watching, like, it's not that she hadn't heard before, but it was, it, we were watching her brain adjust to the sounds of the new world, and then now you can stand behind her and she knows that's mom talking or that's my dad or a sibling and she knows the sounds of things and it's been amazing to watch how resilient she is and how amazing um, technology is. So as a mom, what what did that feel like knowing that she could hear your voice again? Ah. <laughs> uh. Being deaf is absolutely not the end of the world. If we had known that she was born deaf, um, you know, I don't know that we would have pursued a cochlear. I have no idea. Um, but for her, being a child who could hear, and then that suddenly, just within the course of a day, being gone from her, 
that was heartbreaking. Like she loves to sing and she loves music. And so initially it was just, is she going to have that again? And I think that's what we grieved like the most for her was her interactions with her siblings, the way she played with her um, sister that's just two years older. All of that was changed overnight. And um, it affected family dynamics some. It was just going to be a new normal. And then now that she has the cochlear, she can play with her sister again. And they can interact. And she can have conversations with friends. And um, we, we had just seen very quickly with her losing her hearing, how she kind of retreated inward. And not that that's not okay, but it was just seeing this rapid transformation made us sad for her um, because she didn't understand it. And so now her having the ability to hear with cochlear implants, it has, I think, it's opened up doors that she wouldn't have. She gets to have a very typical childhood she gets to go to kindergarten this fall and isn't her little world is not going to be silent and so I'm I can't really even put into words it makes me super emotional um I'm just incredibly thankful that she has this opportunity to have cochlear implants and I know you've talked and this is we'll close with this question you've talked about the team but if you could just talk about what makes Arkansas Children's different for you and your family uh, that makes me super emotional. Um, at first, Mercy called the kids' hospital, and she thought it was her hospital. And she thinks, you know, Holly is her audiologist, and Dr. Dornhofer is her doctor. We've had to say, you know, no, like other kids, they get to come here too and see them. And um, from there's just been compassion at every turn. From hospital stays to her audiology team to the ENT to Dr. Dornhofer, um, they have just loved her and made her feel so comfortable. I mean, she looks forward. I have to take a whole day off work every time we come. And she can't wait to get her free lunch from the Riverbend Cafe. Like, we've got our certain little routine where we go. We have a picnic here every time we come. And... I can't imagine what it's like for the families that have to live here for weeks or months at a time, but it has been the playgrounds, the facility, everything. It is just such a gift that this is a place that she really wants to be. She tells me that when she grows up, she wants to be a surgery girl. (laughs) And I said, what does a surgery girl do? Um, Do they help people or do they do the surgery? And she said, oh, they do the surgery. And I've asked her, are you going to do a, be a surgery girl on kids or grownups? And she says, I want to be a surgery girl on kids. Um, this is a place where I think she, I think we all think, um, just a bunch of heroes work here. And it's obviously that all of these people are just working in their gifting because they are just the most incredible at loving children and loving their families. Well, Katie, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your emotional story and your journey with, uh, with Arkansas Children's and with your daughter, Mercy. You're welcome. And you can hear more about Mercy's story on our video, so follow our Facebook page. 
Wow, that was really neat hearing Mercy's story from Katie and to know that Mercy is doing better and actually hearing better than she has in both years in a long time. Thank you for listening to the Live, Learn, and Play podcast. Remember to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. We'll be back soon to talk about the people, places, and programs at Arkansas Children's.